Another week full of exciting news in the world of Independent League Baseball, and we're going to bring it to you this week with a bit of a twist. So stay tuned for this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, back again this week, and like you've heard in the little bit of a cold open, there is a bit of a twist this week. While normally I'd be saying, uh, sorry guys, if we have to do a solo show, that's not entirely the case this week, because we do have a guest. In fact, our first repeat guest and repeat guest host, and Will from AOPB News on Instagram. How's it going today, Will? It's going pretty good, Nick. I, I, I'm excited to be here, and, and I'm extremely honored to be the uh, the first repeat guest of the Indie Ball Report. That, that, that's definitely a big honor, so, so I appreciate it. I mean, if you include the uh, the last episode, this is like the third time you're on this show. That is true. The the, the, the good old long-lost episode of, of the pre-phone days. Yeah, before we had the phone-ins, and then you got to drive around people to get them on the show, and then... Before we realized, oh, the phone doesn't work when you record a whole hour and a half long preview of a <laughs> of a league championship, and then you go to edit it later that night, and you're like, oh, the wavelength's awfully low here. And then when you go to amplify, you go, oh, that's just static. <laughs> it, it's it's almost. And if I remember correctly, that was the day that it was announced that the bees weren't going to be in the Atlantic League anymore. So we there's so much, so many things to talk about that that day. Glad to be back on, and we definitely have a lot of important stuff to talk about, as as, as you'll definitely get to. Yep, absolutely. We're definitely happy to have you on. As for those wondering where my usual co-host is, again, something came up, so uh, that's why we brought in Will off the bench. It's the first arm out of the bullpen. So, uh, <laughs> as you said, we do have a lot of uh, big news to get to, so I suppose we'll get to that. And uh, I think the, the best way to really jump into it is probably what I'd say the biggest news of the week, which is the Frontier League finally came to a conclusion on their season. Uh, last week, we interviewed uh, Steve Taz, he said, look, there's a lot of things still happening. We're trying our best to play. Well, unfortunately, it looks like their best efforts have failed as the Frontier League announced on Wednesday that this season was going to be suspended. It was a unanimous vote amongst all the owners that this season just wasn't tenable in its uh, usual capacity. So member clubs, they're free to do whatever they uh, would like to do now for previously allotted dates for the season. Of course, they will return in 2021 so i suppose we'll start there and just get kind of general reaction and feelings to this news yeah it, it's it's definitely it's definitely sad news that the frontier league won't be playing this year i guess it was kind of news that that me i certainly expected i'm, I'm sure you did as well especially listening to, to your interview last week it didn't seem that uh that tassler was all, was all that confident that they'd be able to to somehow put a season together this year I guess I was kind of holding out some hope for maybe maybe an American Association style um, style maybe with like just six teams or something like that that are more out in the Midwest area of the country. I was thinking that would pop that could possibly be something that could swing, but it, it I guess it was just too much, and unfortunately, there's going to be no no official Frontier League baseball in, in 2020. Yeah, it's unfortunate there, and you know I was in the same mindset. Where it's like, oh, well, maybe the hub cities could be an option. You have a handful of teams, maybe it could work. And then when uh, Tassler said, "Look, that's not really an option we're really exploring right now," and essentially ruling it out, I kind of came to the same conclusion as you were, where this season's uh, kind of a lost cause. So it's definitely unfortunate to see. I mean, you have a lot of uh, really 
in-depth markets, a lot of markets that have history to them. I mean, you have uh, Evansville with Boss Field there. You have a lot of other Midwest markets too that really this could have been a huge growing point for them. A lot of their local competition with affiliated minor leagues was certainly not going to happen, although I'm not sure that's quite official yet, although I think it's kind of widely just agreed upon. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely agreed upon. I think I remember reading that they'll, they should, they're going to come out with an official announcement about it within the next week or so, but I, it, it's the worst kept secret in all, in all of professional baseball that the minor leagues is definitely done this year. And, and, and you're right about the fact that it, this was a big opportunity for the Frontier League. I'm not faulting them in any way for not mm. playing, of course, but I, it definitely was a big opportunity for those Midwest markets, like you said, with, with their competition from affiliated ball gone. It was a good opportunity for them to really capitalize on some heightened interest in indie ball. And, and unfortunately, too much travel, a variety of, of different issues coming up. And of course, you even have the Canadian teams up in Quebec and, and Three Rivers that was never really an option to begin with. There's just It just seems like there's too many obstacles and there was, it, there was just no way that a season in the Frontier League was going to be able to get off the ground. Exactly. It's just, it was a very difficult thing to always get going. And like you said, with the, with the teams on each side of the border, that makes it tough. And it kind of brings us to, again, how it really is kind of a lost opportunity with the merger. It would have been a great opportunity to kind of expose these teams from the former Can-Am to the frontier markets, the frontier teams to the former Can-Am markets. And, you know, if it would have went well, I imagine we would have seen Ottawa come in next year, maybe even Old Orchard Beach too. I mean, Tassler seemed very interested in the possibility of adding Ottawa. Like you said, I can't fault them at all for it. It makes a lot of sense. It's the right decision. As we learned last week, there's just so many moving pieces. There's so many various jurisdictions from just local cities and towns putting their own restrictions on to then state restrictions to then having even any federal restrictions that are still remaining. It makes it a lot more difficult with just the travel. And then now I know some states are putting into effect quarantines. Now, I don't think that necessarily affects professional ball players all too much, but even still, it does make it a lot more difficult for some other aspects of it too. So it just was really hard to make it work. And it is unfortunate, but it's the decision that had to be made. And it seems like all the owners kind of knew that. Yeah, and like you said, Nick, the quarantine probably in all likelihood wasn't really going to affect professional baseball all that much. But what it really does show you is is how fluid this whole coronavirus situation is. Where, of course, you you have you have states like Texas and Florida, even out in Arizona or California as well, that are really just popping up out of nowhere. Where it seemed like the situation was under control. And it really just changed in a matter of about two weeks, really. And it shows that you could you could plan for a season to start in two to three weeks from now all you want, but that just doesn't mean that it's going to be the same situation as, as we're going to definitely talk about as far as Sugarlands League, that Texas is really not in great shape right now as far as coronavirus is concerned. Like I said, it, it just shows how, how fluid the situation is and, and how much the situation changes really from day to day. Yeah, every day, like you say, it changes every single day. And it's just so hard to predict what's going to happen next. And now, you know, you see that it seems like a lot of younger people are the ones that are getting the virus and then passing it on. So that also presents a, a more of a problem for outside of baseball, but it certainly affects baseball as well as to 
what happens if, you know, these younger people, they're, they're not getting as sick from it and the virus gets stronger as a result of it. And then it continues even longer. I mean, off the bat here, I think we kind of have to come up with, like I was saying a while back, kind of a fire line. Okay. How many confirmed cases are we going to say is acceptable before we have to start shutting these leagues down or at least shutting certain teams down or starting to fall back even further? And it, how quickly are we going to get to that number? If we say, okay, well, if out of a team of 23 guys plus, let's say, 10 staff, out of those 35 guys, if 10 of them gets it, then we have to shut that team down. Is it going to be if 10 get it within two weeks? Is it going to be if 10 get it within two months? Uh, what exactly are we going to do there? Because as you say, everything is changing and that's undeniable. And if the situation keeps changing and it starts getting worse in these areas that either haven't been that, have been affected that hard so far or have kind of gotten through it and it starts to flare up there again, you know, maybe we run the risk of not having any sort of baseball in general. A hundred percent. And that, that's, that's the difficult part when you're either a league official or, or whatnot trying to plan for this season. It's just, it's just so hard. It's just so hard in general to plan for. While younger people getting the virus now, maybe it doesn't have the effects or maybe the deadly effects that, that a spike in other populations would for sure. Like you mentioned, it's definitely, it's definitely a bad situation when you look at, and, and even, MLB spring training hasn't even started yet. And you, and you look at the teams like the Philadelphia Phillies, who I believe have like eight members of their organization to test yeah. positive or even to flip sports real quick. You look, you look at Clemson football. And of course, of course, I'm not saying baseball and football are very, very different sports as far as contact is concerned, but Clemson had 30 players at this yeah. point, maybe even more test positive for the virus. And that just shows when left unchecked and maybe the restrictions are loosened and kids who are like, well, I'm not, I'm not really in danger of dying from this thing. Maybe I'll go out to a bar or maybe I'll go out to a club or, or something like that. And I'm not saying there's a, there's a really a great solution for that, but they're all things that need to be considered when you're trying to plan for an independent league season like this. And where a lot of guys are right in that age range between mid uh, mid to upper 20s it's tough it's tough to plan for for sure exactly it's unpredictable and that's where it's major issues going to come from i mean even though like you said the context much different from a football or even a basketball to a baseball i mean obviously with one you're going to be a lot more in close proximity there you're going to be breathing heavier you're going to be it's a lot different of a sport even so you're it's not like you're totally avoiding risk in baseball Especially mm -hmm. like with some of these plans where, like with the Hub City plans, where you're still going to have the home team using the home team dugout. So one day right. you have one team there, another day you have another team there. If one person's sick, the thing could still stay on that. Now I know surface transmission isn't as bad as we previously thought, and it's mostly just uh, droplets from, you know, your mouth and your nose and all that. But like reading through some of the safety precautions, all it really looks like is it takes one person to have it not show symptoms mm -hmm. and then it could spread like wildfire so it's still it definitely presents that uh that major challenge for league operators and i suppose now we can uh, just kind of switch to some of the reactions from around the frontier league because we're still technically on that topic and uh just kind of look for look at what some of these other teams are, are planning on doing a lot of them i know are just planning on doing things like fourth of july fireworks 
they're planning on doing uh, the drive-in movies. We've seen that's been fairly popular. Things like that. That there are some leagues or some teams that are planning leagues in their own ballparks. Uh, Juliet's one of them. They have uh, kind of a Challenge Cup tournament style thing that's starting July 16th. Uh, Quebec and Three Rivers, they're planning on playing a uh, 45 game set in 50 days al- alongside two other teams. So there's something to look forward to for the uh, uh, Quebec, the, I suppose the Quebecers, if you're around there to look forward to. And then there's also a rumor that we'll discuss in a little bit more detail in just a second here. But so far, it looks like at least some of these markets do plan to try to play baseball. Uh, of course, factoring all the risk we just mentioned. But uh, I suppose it's a little bit easier when it's all contained, I guess. Absolutely. And you can definitely, there's definitely more variables you can control when you're when you're only looking at one stadium. But it, it's definitely a good thing for, for those fans. Out in the Midwest, whether you're in Joliet or even in Florence, um, they're definitely very good things for those fans. And they, I still feel like that those those games will be fairly popular and those tickets will be in demand. I know I know Florence is hoping for uh, potentially to fill fill their seats up to potentially fifty percent capacity. And I think that's definitely a good thing for those fans. I think it's a good thing for players in those areas, whether obviously jobs are, are yeah. scarce right now in, in in professional baseball for a variety of reasons so it's definitely good to have those leagues in in seemingly a lot of areas of the country i mean you look sugarland and florence and, and joliet and, uh, and and even in the northeast with somerset it's definitely good to give those players opportunities to play while still helping to keep the franchise afloat and help them really go into next year without the financial hardships that they would have that maybe some of the other teams are dealing with that are that are only can resort to drive-in movies or fireworks and or some not 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 much at all exactly i mean like as long as everything's being done safely and following Mm -hmm. guidelines and you know just following what health officials are saying to kind of prevent the spread any further than it is and it's obviously a plus i mean to provide some sort of entertainment to in a safe environment is always a plus and like you said it does help kind of lessen that financial burden that some of these teams are going to face going into next year. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious everybody's going to be hurting. Uh, you can only do so much mm-hmm. to kind of negate the giant hit you're going to take. Uh, but if you can do any bit to help that, it's obviously a, a huge plus. And like you also were saying, uh, there's a lot of guys that could be using a team to play on right now. I know, uh, and I'm sure you get the same thing. There's a dozen guys that always wind up sending you DMs and emails mm-hmm. and all sorts of things going like, hey, what's happening right now? What's the plan? Yeah. Do you know anywhere where I could get like some looks and everything? Yeah. And so, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, if it gets them a shot, if it gives them a shot, then it's obviously a, a huge plus here. And, you know, one thing I will say before I, we touch on the, the kind of rumor thing, which I know we mentioned on the show last week, I believe you posted about it too, either last week or the week before. But I, I do want to just say one thing here. Seeing like this challenge cup that Juliet's doing, or Joliet, or however it's correctly pronounced, uh, <laughs> I would like to see more of this. I want to see more in-season tournaments and things like that. I think that's right. really fun stuff. Like, I would love to see in some way, shape, or form they have, like, almost a New Jersey Challenge Cup. Like, maybe a yeah. Garden State Clash or something where you have, you know, a Somerset playing against uh, a Sussex and a New Jersey. Have them all play and then, you know, you have bragging rights over the state. 
Do the same thing with Texas and Canada, too. You maybe have a Midwest classic thing. Like, little things like that. Almost give it more of, like, a college football type thing. You know, like, mm-hmm. a fight for the tiger rag, the the wheel ragging thing, uh, the uh, Red River rivalry type deal. To have something like that going on, I think, gives it a more fun atmosphere. It makes it seem like every game's worth a lot more. It gets fans more involved. I, I just think it's also it's much more marketable when you can kind of go, look, we're playing a Challenge Cup thing. It's kind of like the playoffs. You should show up. It'll be a big deal. I think it's just a, it'd be a cool thing to add, especially coming out of a pandemic where you could possibly get more people in the stands. And it's also just fun. I think we need mm-hmm. more fun in baseball. Yeah, to- totally. Mikey, and to be honest, I never really thought about it that way before, but, but now that you say it, it, it definitely sounds like a great, a great idea because Obviously, when you look at Somerset's league, they, they only have two teams. They're playing, I, I believe, somewhere around 30 games against each other on the weekends. Mm-hmm. At some point, the fans or will the fans keep coming back over and over again to watch the same two teams play against each other? I know me living near Somerset, I probably will. Can I say the same for everyone else? Maybe not. And, and I think g- giving that, that extra competition – and that extra sort of sense of a rivalry or so- something to play for instead of just, oh, we're just kind of getting our reps in or something like that. And, and you definitely, and the fans can sense some of that. It, it, they can sense how much it means to the players as opposed to playing the same team every day. You're, pl- you're playing for, like you said, maybe like a Garden State clash or something like that, or, or the champion of the league out in Joliet. And, and I think it's, it definitely keep the fans more engaged. Like you mentioned, it's a lot more marketable. You could potentially get a lot more revenue from it. Maybe you could sell different merchandise, like whatever, like Garden State Clash t-shirts or whatever, like or something like that to potentially, again, help ease that financial burden for the teams. I, I think that idea, like you mentioned, is a really good idea. And of course, it helps limit travel where, where you can. Exactly. Like just... Even if you just do it for this offseason, all the points you made, all the points I made still apply. I mean, I would love to see something like that continue on, even when we're through this whole pandemic thing. I think it'd be just like, it adds like a, a bit of prestige to it. And it, like you said, it helps keep people engaged. And I think it also helps in the sense of a lot of people, when you just say independent league baseball, they just kind of assume, oh, all the teams are in the same league. And you can go and apply it so that way you have, oh, we got like different leagues here. These teams aren't all in the same thing. And it could help separate the, the leagues from each other. I think it could ultimately be a huge positive thing. Yeah. And, and I think the best, one of the best examples of that in independent league baseball is the War of the Roses out, out in central Pennsylvania with, with the York Revolution and the Lancaster Barnstormers. I know. I, I had the privilege to go out to York, I believe, like three or four times last year. I've been to Lancaster a, a good amount as well. And that that War of the Roses is a big deal for those fans. And I think if you can bring that excitement that I know I've seen in those two areas, if you can bring it to other places where they're having their own trophy or wh- whatever award you want to give, I think it really gives that extra spice that independent league baseball needs at some points and especially during a pandemic when people are just looking for something to do something to get excited about when you're, when you're getting bad news every single day and and I, and I think if you can add something like that it can be really beneficial for the league in general and, and certainly the teams 
Yeah, see, that's that's what you want to have. You need to have that kind of excitement, like you're saying. And the only the only other idea I have as far as torment wise goes, and then I'll kind of move on to the next thing is, I for those that are familiar with kind of major junior hockey, you'll know what I mean when I say the Memorial Cup. For those that don't know, uh, essentially it's for Canadian major junior hockey. They're like kind of semi pro, but not exactly. It's hard to explain in a short time frame, but. There's three major leagues that make up the CHL, and each year they send their league champion to one host location, and the host and those three champions play a round-robin tournament against each other for seeding, and then they play an actual tournament to see who wins the Memorial Cup. It's a very big deal in Canada. Think of it, it's almost like their college football championship or their March Madness type thing. So I'd love to see that come to Indie Ball where you'd have your American Association champion, your ALPB champion, and your Frontier League champion, and then whomever's hosting that year. All go to one ballpark. You could move it from each league to each league every year and have those four teams play each other, maybe in some sort of a postseason tournament, maybe make it a preseason tournament and just use the teams from the year prior, and then we decide who is the best team in independent league baseball that year. Something that, like that. That would be awesome. I mean, just imagine how cool that would be. You have, let's just say, for example, we'll use Somerset, we'll use uh, the Chicago Dogs, and let's say the Rockland Boulders. Oh, wait, New York Boulders now, even though I'm going to keep calling them Rockland. So you have the Boulders, the Dogs, and the Patriots, and they all go to, let's say, CHS Field out in uh, St. Paul. To see mm-hmm. a tournament like that, and it doesn't even have to be that long, make it be a 10-day tournament where you play... I don't know, a five-day round robin with one day off, then you play a best-of-three series and then a uh, best-of-five championship series or something like that. You can make it work mm-hmm. where it could be condensed to two weeks of just baseball, 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 back and forth. Imagine how cool that would be. And then you move it from, say, Minnesota, then you move it out to Long Island the one year, and then you move it to Skylands another year, and you just keep moving it around like that. And you have every year we finally get our actual who is the best team in indie ball answer. I I just think that'd be so cool to have. And it'd be such a nice boost for a lot of markets too. Now, obviously there's a lot of issues that go into that uh, financially speaking. And also then there's some guys to go play winter ball right after the season's over. So it'd be hard to organize plus different leagues and different times. So I understand logistically it's hard, but man, as a fan, that'd be so cool. And I think as a player, to get even more extra reps and eyes and and get yourself in front of scouts eyes and things like that i think that would just be it'd be such a cool thing to happen that 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 just gets me excited just even hearing an idea like that through the phone nick i think that'd be that would be an awesome idea for all the leagues and it it could be a big marketing ploy for for each league for all maybe all the teams get behind their league champion or something like that it it could be a really cool thing for the fans i understand it's not perfect and obviously like you mentioned the logistics would be would be pretty difficult to work out but if they could have and they could potentially swing that 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 would be it would be so fun for even the and like you mentioned the players involved too there's getting extra eyes on, on you and Playing extra games is ne- ne- certainly never a bad thing. That 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 would just be that would be really exciting, and I would love to see them do something like that. I think we definitely need more of that in baseball to really draw keep drawing fans to- towards any ball. Exactly, like it just works so well. I mean, even if you if you really wanted to, too, you'd find a market which just recently lost the 
an MILB team, and we'll talk about that very shortly. But if you found a market like that, that was like a really diehard market, but for whatever reason, Major League Baseball was like, we don't want them in our in our system anymore. You could even just make it like Williamsport almost, where you go, every year we're going to come to this market and we're going to play our championship here. Like that would... That would be something. I, I just, I'm so in love with that idea. And I think if you come out of a pandemic where a lot of teams are going to be hurt financially, to have that kind of almost carrot at the end of the road type thing, put that into effect. I think that could help out financially. You could probably do some sort of a revenue split among the leagues and the host mm-hmm. thing and everything. And I, I don't want to go too much into the business because I know that bores a lot of people, but. Man, it's just, it's an idea that I've had for quite a long time, and I would love, love, love to see that happen. Cause I would so, watch. To- totally if, agree. I would watch every second of that, so. I, ab- absolutely. Totally, totally agree. Yep. So then I guess the last thing uh, I really have on the Frontier League before we switch over to the Atlantic League, and this is a good kind of segue topic, is, uh, last week, uh, we had mentioned on the show that there was a plan that should the Frontier League not play this season, some teams would go to the Atlantic League and play. And we knew Faf had said it's either going to be three or five teams. Well, now we know it's probably going to be three. And I know speaking personally, I've had most, multiple people tell me the three teams. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw one of the people that told me was posting about it. So I assume I'm good to post about it. And if not, then I'm going to take the full blowback from this. And that's just life for you. But the three teams, and we pretty heavily alluded to which three it was, uh, it appears it's going to almost certainly be the Miners, the Jackals, and then the New York Boulders, as it were. The Jackals outright said, we have a big announcement coming. And, I know. And the, the Miners were saying something along the lines of, we're going to continue to play baseball. And, well, let's be honest, Rockland, they were always planning on doing something like this in the back of their head. Even though they do technically have a summer collegiate league playing there, but they can manage it. I mean, High Point's doing the same thing. So, Yeah, I think it's... You could definitely tell in the the difference between the statements. I mean, you have uh, you have the boulders saying we, we we're continuing to pursue other options as we've done. That doesn't mean there won't be any boulders baseball this summer. And both the miners and jackals saying basically the same thing, saying the suspension of the season allows us to explore other opportunities to play this play baseball this summer. Please stay tuned for a big announcement. I mean, I I think it's I think it's pretty pretty much common knowledge at this point who those three teams are and honestly me as as an atlantic league guy i'm pretty exci- i'm pretty excited for these three teams and, and i know with me, me and you have talked a lot privately about um, specifically with the jackals because I, I know we both really yeah. really like the the way the jackals roster is set up for this year and yeah. like well what, what would happen if they, they went up against Atlantic League teams, and now we really get to see it. And to me, obviously, a 16 league, and of course, without my hometown Patriots, is disappointing for me. Mm-hmm. However, seeing a team like the Jackals get a shot against the big boys, and even with the Miners and the Boulders as well, I'm sure for those fans, it's really exciting for them to get a shot at the big boys because maybe maybe no one's believing in them. No one thinks that they can they can take on the the big the big boys like Long Island. And even High Point Southern Maryland, who are also looking good this year, and I think it, I think it could be really exciting, and I think it could be super exciting for the fans of, of those Frontier League teams. Oh yeah, like this is the kind of thing where I think there's a lot of markets that have been waiting for something like this. I think 
this is the kind of thing where in a traditional year, Sussex would definitely turn out in full force for this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. They always turn out in full force. Like I said, they're the only fan base I've ever seen actually tailgate before a baseball game. That's my, like a minor league game. I've seen it at like Met games and stuff before, of course, but as far as independent league baseball goes, it's not even just like it was one or two guys. It was like four or five tailgates that's on my way from the parking lot into the ballpark. So they could definitely hang there. And it's disappointing they sold off a lot of their pieces that they had um, last season. Because I think that last season team mm-hmm. that both the Jackals and the Miners had, oh, this it would be really close. Uh, but yeah. I know we've talked, like you said, at length about that Jackal roster, and I gush over how good that bullpen is, especially when you put Latos back in like a closer role, and then you have just some really solid bats there. I mean, there's just no shortage of talent there. Uh, Obviously, Alfredo Marte leads the pack there for the Jackal Jackal batters, but even still, it's a very, very deep roster, very talented roster, and I do believe they can hang with a lot of the Atlantic League guys. And then I know... You've talked a lot about wanting Rockland slash New York slash whatever they're calling oh, themselves yeah. this week in the Atlantic League. So, uh, in a way, it's almost like the monkey's paw where you got them in the league you wanted, but it came at a cost. Yeah, Nick, like, like you mentioned, I, I really wanted the boulders in the league. I, I've always been a huge fan of, one, the, the location, two, the, the, the ballpark, from, I, from which I've never been before, actually, but I've heard it's awesome. Definitely, and I definitely wanted to see them in the Atlantic League someday. However, this obviously is not the circumstances in which I want. I wanted to see them in the Atlantic League, but it's definitely it's definitely going to be interesting to see the, those Frontier League teams, the Boulders, Miners, and Jackals, really getting a shot to go against the big boys. And this is something we don't really see in independent league baseball very much at all. You don't see teams from the Frontier League really ever playing against Atlantic League teams, unless, of course, a global pandemic hits, then I guess that, that's your only option. But it's going to be really interesting to see a team like like the Jackals, so I think we both agree is going to be really, really good, and certainly Atlantic League, an Atlantic League quality team, see, if, see how they stack up against a team like Long Island and High Point. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm super excited for it. Yeah, 100%. And I agree with you entirely there. And I think, uh, before, and I'll let people in behind the scenes here. While we were in the middle of this discussion, the board died on me. So we had to repair that. I think, uh, what you were saying while the board was going out was, uh, that, uh, the Jackals are going to be a scary team. And I had mentioned that, uh, Latos was going to be a bullpen guy. And you were saying you were told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 from a couple sources of mine, I heard that Latos was going to go back to a starting role with the Jackals, which which could be really interesting. Obviously, he, he was dominant with the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs as their closer last year, and he was very good with the Jackals as well. Um, as a starter in 2018, I believe his ERA was around 320 or something in that range. So he's definitely definitely has the capability of going back to start, and, it, and I, I, I can't wait. It's just exciting me to, talking about it. I really can't wait to see this Jackals team play against Atlantic League teams and all these hypotheticals that we keep talking about. I know with your indie ball rankings and yep. these different hypotheticals we're talking about, it's kind of it's kind of nice to actually see how they would stack up on the field. I'm really excited for it. I agree with you entirely there. And it's a shame that this happened because my rankings were so nice and now <laughs> they're so worthless. 
but <laughs> when you when you mentioned that, I do remember hearing something about that. How part of the reason he went to the Frontier League as opposed to staying in the Atlantic League was he wanted one more shot at starting. So either way, mm-hmm. to have Matt Latos, a former he, a guy that got Cy Young votes at one point in his career, yep, to be on your roster is almost always a plus, especially in independent league baseball. So this deal isn't done yet. Getting those three teams into the Atlantic League is going to cause some issues, and I know I was hearing some some rumblings, at least, that some of the Atlantic League teams proper were now getting hung up by some of the new uh, rollbacks on some of the reopenings, so that may cause an issue, but uh, uh, no names in particular on that, so it'll be interesting to see how all that gets played out, and just I'm, I'm hopeful that there's a season played. I just want some baseball locally by me that i can go to totally. with relative ease so uh, with that i suppose we'll just jump right into the atlantic league now and uh, the second piece of leading news this week was almost certainly uh the rumors that somerset may be jumping from the atlantic league to milb and seeing as you're actually the one who tipped me off to this information and uh, i believe you're also one of the people that got to read the article as it's mm-hmm. paywalled at the moment uh, I'll be quite honest with everybody. I'm not paying uh, $6 a month to read the occasional Baseball America article. Uh, for all those yeah. reasons, I'm going to let you take lead on this. Yeah, so it, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't pay for anything either as far as Baseball America, but I, I don't know. It, it, I just clicked on it, and it I could read the whole thing. But anyway, oh, so... you lucky. I know. So the story... Uh, it, it's kind of the same sort of story originally that we've been hearing, I believe, since back in November, that one, the Major League Baseball wants to cut down the minor leagues, and potentially they could bring in some indie ball teams. We've been hearing uh, names of the St. Saint Paul Saints and the Sugarland Skeeters for a while now. Now we've heard a third team into the mix, and that being the Somerset Patriots of the Atlantic League. Apparently, they were in the article, it was quoted as saying, they are the, probably the most likely to become an affiliated team. And to me, that, that's definitely surprising considering I, I thought the, the, the teams in which the Patriots would probably, probably naturally, be, naturally be affiliated with, that being the Phillies, the Yankees, and the Mets, I thought they all kind of had their affiliates pretty much squared away at this point. So it's really interesting, and it's definitely not good for the Atlantic League to be hearing this information. And I did want to... And Steve Califer, the ch- the chairman emeritus of the uh, Somerset Patriots, did release a statement to Baseball America, and, and I'm going to read it to you now. He said, We are very proud of our two decades as a founding member of the Atlantic League. The Somerset Patriots strive for excellence in everything that we do. Our staff, partners, fans, and community as a whole has enhanced our reputation that has been recognized throughout professional baseball. To hear our name even mentioned in any of these MLB discussions is certainly an honor. Now, Nick, I, I don't know. I don't know how you read that, but I don't sense a whole lot of denial in that statement. To, to contrast with the St. Paul State, the St. Paul Saints statement back in April, when there were similar rumors and reports about them, they came out with a statement and said, "We're a member of an independent league, and we're very happy with it." Our heritage, our DNA is tied to being independent. We've had success both on and off the field. We've provided a brand of entertainment with a certain renegade independent feel to it, but we're certainly flattered to be in the discussion. Now, if you just compare those two statements, it's very clear to me that the St. Paul Saints really don't have much interest in becoming affiliated. 
and of course, the, Steve Califer didn't come out and say, yes, we, we would love to become affiliated. But I don't know about you, but that, that's kind of the vibe I get through that statement. Definitely not a whole lot of denial there. Yeah, I, I definitely got that same feeling to it where it wasn't like this, like you said, with the Saints and their statements very clear. We want to be independent. And if we're not independent, if we're going to become affiliated, we have to get such a deal that it be it wouldn't make sense to do it anymore. And with the Patriots, it, it definitely doesn't get that same vibe across. It definitely feels like they're saying, well, you know, we're very open to the idea. We're happy where we're at, of course, and we're proud of everything we've accomplished here. But to become affiliated would probably be a, a better business decision for us. And on one hand, I mean, good for them. You, you want to see MILB is certainly more stable. It would definitely help them as a team and as a club, especially coming out of a pandemic. Your biggest expense would be lifted, which is the price of your roster. I mean, that would definitely help them there. On the flip side, what's obviously more uh, pressing to this show, it would be a huge loss not only for the Atlantic League, like you said, but for independent league baseball in a whole. Somerset's mm-hmm. one of these, well, I don't believe, original founding clubs of independent league baseball. They've certainly, they were certainly in the very beginning, and they have propelled themselves to the front of the pack there. They're one of the first names you think of when you think independent league baseball. And to lose yep. that kind of, kind of recognition, that brand identity with independent league baseball, would be such a huge, huge loss. And, of course, we know with their next 20 initiative that they announced uh, late 2019, they obviously want to, uh, they have big plans. They want to expand their ballpark and everything, and that's not going to come cheap. And with every financial hiccup, it's going to delay things further, and it's going to cause issues. So, I mean, it's... It's hard to read it one way or the other. I think it was Mike Ashmore who tweeted out something like, this has been going around as of recent. still too early to say one way or the other. So I don't want to jump way, way too far ahead of it. But in the early going, it's certainly very, very troubling to me. Yeah, like you mentioned, there's definitely a lot of red flags. And it would be, you're right, it would be a, a, a... really big blow to independent league baseball as a whole and certainly the Atlantic League who then would have to scramble to find probably an MILB team that that gets cut and loses their affiliation Binghamton comes to mind I know you think Binghamton is a uh, is a potential spot for a frontier league team I would kind of like to see them in the Atlantic League I think you you could potentially look at Frederick with the Frederick Keys mm-hmm. down in the yeah, Carolina League option. I think that that could be a a potential, a potential place as well, but losing a team like the Patriots, losing a fan base like the Patriots, losing a team that consistently draws over 5,000 fans a game, which is something that it's not all that common in indie ball. Certainly you see teams that do it, but it's not, it's definitely, you can't just replace a team like that in, in your league, much less too if, if the Sugarland Skeeters become affiliated as well, which I think seems to be somewhat le- pretty likely at this point it it'd be really tough for the Atlantic League I think they would I think they would get through it but it's de- it's definitely not good news and it's definitely troubling oh yeah it would definitely be a shot right across it would it would hit them right where it hurts if they lose them both uh it would de- I almost feel like if they lose them both we creep closer to the idea that got floated across this show a while back which is what would one giant independent league look like? You mm-hmm. know, 
And I feel like we're almost inching closer with this kind of doomsday scenario if they both leave. If one leaves, it hurts a lot, but you can survive. If both of them, it's a lot more difficult. And like you said, it's it's very hard to replace a... Well, I believe they're both the two highest uh, attendance teams in the Atlantic Lake and two of the top five teams in independent league baseball. So mm-hmm. you're not just going to find replacements like that. The thing that that's the weirdest thing to me, though, is is you mentioned this, who are they going to be affiliated with? I, I know. It, it makes no sense here because with the Phillies, you have Lehigh Valley, with your, which is your AAA affiliate. You have mm-hmm. Reading, which is your AA affiliate. It's been that way since the 60s. Yep. I mean, single A is what? Clearwater for them? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, like, it, I don't see them becoming a single A affiliate for any club. Single A for the Yankees and the Mets is both uh, also Florida, Tampa, and St. Lucie. What do you have for a double A in each side? The Mets are losing Binghamton, I know. So possibly something there, but I mean. I mean, I was thinking Brooklyn could probably become the Mets double A affiliate. And I I don't see any reason the Yankees would move out of Trenton. I mean, Trenton's a good spot for them. I I don't, it it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And that's why I was really surprised to hear it because I didn't really. I didn't really see a natural fit anywhere. Obviously, Sugarland, you see a natural fit with them becoming a Houston Astros affiliate, being, I believe, only a half hour outside of Houston, being a suburb there. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know where the Patriots fit in unless there's some maybe underlying financial troubles of the team that we don't really know about or that that's not certainly not public information, but it was a shock to me. I, I don't know if this will go through, but it would definitely be a a really bad thing for independent league baseball. And it, 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 I could see it being good for, for, for the fan base of the Patriots or in the organization as well. I'm may, maybe not the fan base as much more, more the organization. Cause if you attach a Yankees logo onto the already big fan base of the Somerset Patriots, that really, that really helps them draw. Maybe you creep closer to that 6,000, 6,000 people a game mark, which would, would be terrific for a ballpark that, that I believe only sits around 6,000 as it is. And it, it would just be, it would be tough for the league as a whole. I can see why the Patriots would be attracted to it as they were approached by some unknown teams at this point. But it would definitely be, it would definitely be a really tough blow for the league in general. Exactly. Like I just, it would obviously be tough for the league. And like you say, I just don't, I don't see where that where's that fit. I mean, plus with the Mets, if they were going to go after an independent league team to try to become affiliated, Long Island would make way more sense than mm-hmm. Somerset would. Right. And obviously, TD Bank Ballpark is not a Triple A ballpark; it's no. really a Double A park. So again, like I don't, I don't see where the fit is. So it'll be something to watch. But it was interesting news to see across. I know I had heard rumblings of this too, but I was just kind of like, it makes no sense. It wouldn't happen then. Uh, when Baseball America put it out, it was like, oh, okay, I guess it actually may be. So uh, that was troubling. Uh, just a couple other notes from the uh, Atlantic League this week. Things of note, Sugarland still selling tickets for their league. Uh, opening day stuff is still on sale. That also starts on July 3rd, same day that the American Association starts. So if you're in Texas and you don't have COVID and you would like to see a baseball game, uh, you could do that. You could buy tickets for that now. The worsening situation down there, I don't really know how long that league's going to run for or if it's going to run. But yeah. uh, 
hopefully it improves and hopefully they do get to go running for that. Uh, let's see, uh, a couple other news at a high point here. They also now have a collegiate team playing out of their stadium from the old North State League. That is the Deep River Mud Dogs. They play nine games at the newly named uh, Truest Point. That changed its name from BB&T Point. So that's just about all we got out of the Atlantic League this week. Uh, any comment on any of that noise? Um, just, I gotta say, the, the name... The name Deep River Mud Dogs, that, that is a pretty awesome name. <laughs> I, I got to say. That, oh, that's it's an 80 a, grade name, no doubt. Oh, that, that, that's an awesome name. It's definitely a good name for a, for a team, uh, for a summer collegiate team. I believe there's no fans allowed in that in those games right now, if, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So far, no fans allowed. I think they need to go on to, I want to say, stage three reopening in order for there to yeah. be fans. So Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, good, good for them that they could have more um, more baseball in, in, in their ballpark. Um, and hopefully we get to see more more baseball at uh, Truist Point Park soon. Yep. All right, so with that said, I just want to quickly touch on some of the MILB releases. Just quickly hit on those. There's just some names that uh, indie ball fans may recognize, so we'll touch up on those real quick. Some of the former, I guess, Atlantic League guys will hit first with uh, Trayvon Robinson and LJ Mazzilli. Then there's mm-hmm. Connor Justice, who recently was signed to St. Paul. Logan Hill, who recently signed with Winnipeg. Uh, Ryan, I want to say he's pronounced Hog, but I'm not 100% certain on that one. He is with Chicago now, if I'm correct. And then also Nick Economis. So kind of, it's kind of a cool name there. He is with Winnipeg. And then former Lake Erie Crusher, uh, Dondre Hubbard also got released. And then one name which popped up to me when I was looking through the list that I said, I could see him in the Atlantic League because it makes a lot of sense. Gorky's Hernandez. Ooh, Gorky's Hernandez. As, as a Red as a Red Sox fan, that name that name warms my heart. I love I love Gorky's Hernandez. Oh, who he got released by who? San Francisco, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see him potentially join an Atlantic League team. Definitely, um, a, a, maybe not a huge name, but pretty big names. Has some definitely some good MLB MLB time there, and I, I believe he spent most of last year. Or I believe all of last year. With AAA Pawtucket and the Red Sox organization, that's why my, my ears perked up when I heard the name Gorky's Hernandez. Mm-hmm. But I think, and another name that also got released this week, I'm pretty sure, is um, Christian Friedrich, the former. Oh uh, yeah, Newbury, yeah, yeah. He was with New Britain. Christian, yeah, the former Bees lefty last year, who um, he started really, really well with the uh, with the Bees. I believe his ERA was around three in his first seven or eight starts. And for any of you KBO fans who have been watching. Some of the KBO, like I have, he was then picked up by the NC Dinos, which is actually my team and the best team in the KBO at this point, and really had a really nice year in the KBO, posting a 275 ERA in 12 starts out there. So definitely a lot of talent still left in that arm as far as Christian Friedrich is concerned, and I could definitely see him getting picked up. I could see him having a ton of interest in between the American Association and the Atlantic League, I would really like to see a team pick him up, and I think he could instantly become one of the best pitchers in either league in which he could potentially get picked up in. 
Oh, absolutely. He's definitely a big name to pop up there. And the only reason why, like, Gorky Hernandez stood out to me, to be quite honest, is I remember when he was still playing in uh, Myrtle Beach. Which I think it was back in 08, because we mm-hmm. used the vacation down there, and I actually have his uh, card as a pelican. So, oh, wow. Yeah, like, I just remember his name, because I was like, Gorky's, that's a cool name. And oh, so yeah. I've always just kind of followed where he went. So, But yeah, him and yeah. Friedrich, I think, are definitely two on top of the list of guys I could see either in the American Association or in the Atlantic League. I think they both uh, fit the mold very well for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So with that, we'll go to really the last grouping of news for this week, which is some news from the American Association, the loan of the major three independent leagues that will be uh, playing first, rather. And they're not the loan league to be playing, but they are first in line. Their season starts on the 3rd of July, which is just six days away from the time of recording, which is just really cool to see that that we're going to have some baseball there. But uh, there's two important things to note. I'll go with the bigger of the two first, which is from their hub city plan, originally Chicago and Milwaukee were going to play out of Milwaukee. Well, Chicago gets to go home. They get to play out of the Rosemont ballpark. So they are a home team. They will have fans in the stands. And uh, it is 30 games. They're going to have pretty standard measures from what I saw. The usual kind of social distancing. I believe Illinois is one of the states that requires masks. So I assume masks Mm -hmm. on. And then, uh, you know, the hand washing, all that kind of general jazz. And their first home game is the 7th of July. So Chicago is the first team that gets to go from a hub city back to their uh, actual city. And that's definitely something that... Whether if you're a St. Paul Saints fan, you're definitely hoping to hear as well. Um, of course, hopefully, hopefully that could that could start to happen sooner rather than later. But man, if I'm a, if I'm a Chicago Dogs fan, I, I'm super super excited that they're going to be playing uh, back at home, and hopefully we get to see that start to happen around the around the rest of the American Association as well. So so good for those fans and good good for that organization. I'm sure they're all thrilled over there about it. Exactly. It's such an encouraging sign to see, you know, something start to go back to normal. And like I said, hopefully St. Paul can wind up playing out of CHS field again soon. Uh, Obviously, Winnipeg, they're not going to be playing at Shaw Park anytime soon. But, you know, if you can get two out of the three back to where they should be, that's a huge win there in my mind, at least. So, you know, it's just something to note and to see it. Obviously, that's pending uh, that things continue to get better as opposed to getting worse. If things get worse again, I'm sure they'll have to wind up going back to the hub city plan. But uh, we're seeing why those six teams were picked. Uh, they're all fairly close to each other. It makes travel fairly easy and uh, it enables things like this to be happening. So uh, good news on that front. The second piece of rather, I guess, large news is that we have some information about the American Association streaming. So what we have out of the streaming bit here is they're going to launch a brand new streaming platform, which would be really cool and exciting if not for the fact it costs $20. So it's going to cost $19.99 for you get the regular season and any postseason. However, you do have a free trial that first weekend. So the third, the fourth, and the fifth, you'll have a free uh, trial or a free preview, if you would, of the streaming service. It will cover every American Association game in 2020, like I said, regardless of its regular season or postseason. So, thoughts yeah, on that? I, I, I gotta say, will I cough up $20 to watch some American Association baseball this year? 
you, ab- you, you, you are absolutely right. I will. So I, I'm definitely I, the twenty dollars is not ideal. Although you gotta hope, and I know like you were mentioning a little bit before the show, you gotta hope that these broadcasts are gonna be pretty high quality. If it is a paid stream, and then hopefully the ads are are limited in that. But I mean, listen, I, I'm so desperate for baseball at this point. I'd pay more than twenty dollars to watch to watch some in, in independent league baseball and watch some uh, some guys that um. I watched a lot last year, the David Washingtons, Thomas Dormany, and Michael Krause out, out in Chicago. The, uh, Joe Trinoslovich, of course, I believe as well out in Chicago. Yep. So I, you just, you just hope, I don't, I don't totally mind, um, paying the $20, but I, I do hope that the, the streaming is, is, is pretty high quality, if you know what I'm saying. Yep, and then there's also a couple other uh, Atlanta Lakers too. I believe Alvar Rondon is out in Sioux Falls, mm-hmm. although technically he's on uh, the inactive list at the moment until he can uh, get to Sioux Falls. And then Casey Hobson is also in Chicago too, if I remember right. correctly. I only know this because of all the prep work I've been doing for this for the preview show. Which, but uh, yeah, no, I was mentioning how if you're paying for the stream, it has to be a lot higher quality. I know in independent league baseball, we're all kind of used to uh, the intern working the pretty basic a camera and it's just kind of point and shoot and you're not getting exactly the highest quality view you get your behind home plate through the net type thing so you know you go oh it's not great but it's free so i can't complain if i'm paying 20 dollars here i expect more than what i've seen in the past you know i expect to have replays and roll-ins i expect to have good looking well-framed shots i expect to have you know different camera angles that are going to be switched back and forth here I, I don't expect to have the same, like, third baseline shot the whole way through where I'm looking through a net. I don't, I'm not expecting that. If I'm paying money, I want a higher quality thing here. And likewise, I'd, I'd almost would have appreciated if there was also a freer alternative. You know, maybe one where it's just bare bones or something like that. But, you know, I do expect to have something here. I'm not expecting the world here. Like, if it was a, affiliated minor league thing or if it was even a major league thing then i'd have a much higher expectation but i do expect something better than what we've been used to getting i should say yeah well that's what the free trial is for so i I guess i'll get to be able to make that decision after after the first weekend of games yep so we'll know from there and then uh, last bit of news out of the american association uh, that i have seen obviously training camps have started Season starts in six days, and if you have any general questions, uh, Fargo, Moorhead, and Winnipeg on their websites have posted FAQs. Those will be linked in the show notes, so you can go and kind of look through there. If you're a season ticket holder or ticket holder for either club, uh, you could kind of look through there. Or if you just have general questions about the league in general, you could kind of look through that. That's about all I have there. I do know I had some players asking about what the deals with the Atlantic League, I think we covered that pretty well, but just as kind of a general summary, as of right now, they are playing, although, like I said, I've heard rumblings that some teams uh, may or may not be opting in for this year just due to uh, the recent term events with the coronavirus and the fact that things may not open up as quick as they anticipated. I just want to throw that once again back out there because I had a couple of specific requests to touch on that. So, uh, yeah. You have anything else that we uh, think we missed, or? Um, I don't think so. Um, just uh, if now would be a, g- a good time for for a quick plug. Yeah, sure, go uh, for, for it. Uh, so, my, 
if you guys are interested in more uh, Atlanta, some in-depth like Atlantic League content, I'll, I'll be covering this. Uh, hopefully, the the sixteen league, uh, including the Jackals, Boulders, Miners, um, and hopefully the Rockers, Blue Crabs, and Ducks as well. I'll be covering that league extensively on my Instagram page. Uh, that Instagram page is ALPB underscore news. So if you want to give me a follow there, I would, that'd be much appreciated. Going to have some preseason power rankings coming up uh, once everything gets finalized. So definitely check that out if, if you haven't already. And I do want to add one more thing. So Liam O'Sullivan, the um, Somerset, he, he pitched, he was probably Somerset's best pitcher. Uh, who was there the whole year last year. He was originally signed in the American Association, I believe, with Sioux City. Uh, did not get picked up in the draft. So, however, he actually um, has been posting a little bit. He actually flew to Korea and is currently in, uh, in quarantining, the mandatory 14-day quarantine in a hotel and has some tryouts coming up with some KBO teams after his quarantine is finished. So, Liam, if you're listening, good luck. I know I'll, I'll, I can speak for all, all the Patriots fans that we're rooting for you, and uh, def- definitely inspiring to hear how much how much you're betting on yourself, and definitely some good news. I know a lot of indie ball fans are probably rooting for you as well. So that's, that's all I have to say on that front. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what he's doing in Korea. I knew he was over yeah. there and posting stuff, so I kind of assumed either he already had a deal there or something, but I didn't know he had like a handful of tryouts. I saw yeah, him. he said he's got like four four different tryouts after he's uh, after he's done with his quarantine. Right, good, good for him. Hopefully, he gets something over there. Yeah, but yeah. So I think with that said, uh, well, I'm just gonna jump in from for my plugs now. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Instagram at Indie Ball Report, or if you want to follow my uh, co-host who's not quite here at the moment, you could do so at Indie Ball James, or you could or you can also follow a close friend of the show and current co-host uh, Will at. As he said, ALPB underscore news on Instagram. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can find our show notes, articles, videos, podcasts, and everything and anything IndieBall Report on IndieBallReport.com. We also have a YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. However, I've been putting out a Bluefish video for like three months now, so we don't post there often. But you can subscribe to that on indie ball report podcast on youtube there so uh with that said i don't believe we have anything else left to add i, I don't think so it was a great show yeah i thought it went pretty well uh once again thank you for coming on the show i appreciate it a lot and no, uh no problem yeah and with that said nothing else left to add you know the drill around here don't forget to play ball <laughs>